Welcome to The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors at the Church of Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, this week, we continue our walk through what's called the Ordinary Means of Grace, those small, mostly overlooked disciplines that God has given us to grow our faith, hope, and love. Today, I talk with Jim about intaking the Bible, about reading the scriptures, about being good sermon listeners. And in this episode, Jim divulges what he had for lunch today and his newly discovered favorite beverage. I hope that you enjoy this episode, and I hope that you're encouraged to be someone who is more devoted to the Word. Jim, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's a Friday. We're recording on a Friday. Going to be posting this on a Monday morning. What, is a, what does a Friday typically look like for you, Jim? Friday typically looks like for me, I get up at whatever time, uh, usually no later than, I don't want to say, I'm going to sound like I'm um, early morning bragging. Um, I get up at 4.30 wow. uh, usually. and. Uh, sometimes we are not worthy to be sitting, <laughs> to be sitting, receiving from you, Jim. I don't want to be that guy, though. You know the guy <laughs> who's like, I get up at four thirty every yeah, day. Yeah, and, crank uh, out some deadlifts. Yeah, some, well, <laughs> I've done many deadlifts lately. The exercise room in my house isn't complete yet. Um, but but yeah, so <laughs> however, get up. However, you are drinking. Oh yeah, by uh, antioxidant cocoa fusion. So. This is my new favorite drink in the whole wide world. I wish that they served it in restaurants. And yeah, it's uh, um, one gram of sugar. Um, yeah. So very sweet. No like real gross uh, kind of uh, calorie-free sweeteners like uh, NutraSweet. Or what, what, is, what is the technical term for NutraSweet? I'm trying to remember. I keep wanting to say saccharin. That's saccharin. That, that's not it. It's, that's not no saccharin's like when you're saccharin's when you're like so sweet that it's like unbearable, right? Like well, yeah, yes, but also, but also that I think that's a technical term, and then in sucralose. But anyways, so big fan of this. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look look for healthy habits where I can find them. But excellent. So you get up, to- you know, try to try to read the word. Um, get ready for work and, and help Kayla get Lula ready for school and et cetera, et cetera. And then go into work. Um, Fridays are a half day. So that's pretty awesome. Excellent. And I could leave around noon. Do you eat lunch at work? Do you eat lunch? I usually eat lunch at work unless I have someone to eat lunch with. Okay. And so if you're listening to this and you like eating lunch on Fridays, yeah, know that Jim is available for lunch on Fridays too. Or any, any day really I could, if there's not something unique on that day that would keep me from it, but we're just so we're just so in awe that someone like you who wakes up so early each morning would would deign to do lunch with. <laughs> well, you got to remember like when us. you wake up that early, dinner or lunch is more like dinner. So, uh, yeah. What did you have for lunch today? I had chicken uh, wrapped in bacon that Kayla had made for me. Mm. Uh, it was delicious. Mm. And what a woman. Brussels sprouts. So. Uh, Brussels sprouts that had been roasted and kind of almost charred, like it was delicious. Excellent. So, cool. So, man does not live on bread alone, Brussels sprouts alone, but, but also by the word of God, Jesus tells us. So that's the segue, and I'm, and I'm <laughs> not sure if I want to edit that out or not, but I think we're just going to stick with that. Yeah, so, go with it. So uh, today's episode, we're talking about the ordinary means of grace, in, in particular, today we're talking about the ordinary, um, 
uh, act of consuming the scriptures, Bible intake, where God is is gracious to us in the act of reading the scriptures. Now, right. Jim, what does it mean to say that the Bible is a means of grace? Well, I think the means of grace, uh, you know, just describes any channel by which God's grace is communicated to us. Uh, some Christian traditions would have kind of a long list of means of grace, uh, usually including the Word of God. Uh, the Reformed tradition, uh, more representative of my thinking, recognizes the you know more a smaller ordinary means of gra- set of ordinary means of grace, um, including word and sacraments, and sometimes prayer. Um, some reformers recognize it, not some reformers recognize it some of the time or something. But so, what about ordinary means of grace? When we say ordinary that? means of grace, so yeah, I mean, you can think of times where God has spoken, revealed Himself, disclosed Himself uh, through dreams and visions, or through nature. Uh, people just being exposed to nature, and recognizing that the handiwork of a Creator. Uh, but the ordinary means of grace, you know, as we understand them, are, are are going to be those regular ways that God intends to um, disclose Himself, to, to intends to be gracious uh, to those who would seek Him. You know, I, I actually really like that you said those those avenues by which God discloses Himself, um, because when we talk about grace, yeah, one of the really one of the triumphs of the Reformation was that we we. Uh, Medieval Roman Catholicism thought about grace as like a like a spiritual Red Bull almost, and so the the church was the dispenser of this spiritual Red Bull. Mm-hmm. And so when you went to the church, you received you know through those means of grace, you received the Red Bull or the the by Coca Fusion if, if that's your thing. Uh, <laughs> but the reformers kind of reclaiming the, this idea of means of grace is like these are the avenues through which God gives Himself to us. It's right, like, it's not something other than God. It's God being God to us right right okay so yeah uh we we could think of grace as as sort of enthusiasm or energy or power Um, but yes god giving god to his people Mm. um, is him being gracious Mm. Uh, we yeah and you know we our hearts like you know need to turn and, and and kind of recognize that that um there's no grace there's no gift that god could give greater than himself mm Man, you know the song that we've been singing recently, Yet Not I, But Through Christ and Me? Mm-hmm. Um, I was having breakfast with Cole Riddle, and he mentioned this particular lyric in that song. I think it's in the first verse where it says, There, there is no more for heaven to give uh, yeah. since Christ yeah. has been given to us. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, that when God shows us grace and when God gives us grace, what we mean is that God gives us God. Right. Um, so sacraments, prayer, uh, those are good things. The, the Word of God is unique. Uh, and that it um, is is fixed and unchangeable. I, you know, obviously, um, there's text criticism issues, and I, I'm kind of speaking outside of my lane when when I even mention that. But uh, but the point is, is that the Word of God stay has stayed the Word of God yep. and uh, is not subject to like our own attitude shifting, like a, as they do in prayer, or you know, things that we might add to the sacraments or. Um, just ways that that's presented or understood. Yeah, that's good. It's always it's always important to remember that God is a God who acts by speaking. That God accomplishes His will by speaking. Mm-hmm. So Genesis one, you know, God 
creates by speaking. Uh, you have scriptures like Isaiah where he talks about his word going out and, and not returning void, but there's always right. fruit that comes from his word. And then Acts of, 12. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to add to that. Uh, Romans 10, I mean, where Paul says that um, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, that's one. And, and even uh, when David says, I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hmm. Um, you know, again, um, internalizing the word so that uh, his attitudes change towards obedience. Yeah. Or 2 Timothy 3.16 is another. Mm-hmm. Uh, scriptures God breathed and profitable for right, right. correction, teaching, rebuke, and reproof. Now, why is Bible reading important? What does it, what does it do for us? Wow, it's, it's a broad question. And, uh, but if I had to, to sum up, I would say that Bible reading exposes us to the thoughts and deeds of the Lord of all creation. So, um, you know, we think God... Uh, not just a, a tribal deity or a god who lives in a nearby volcano or forest or um, well, other geographical volcanoes. Features. What's right. that? All those Greer volcanoes. Yeah, I, I don't know. That just seems like a yeah, like a popular <laughs> <laughs> mythological home for gods. Uh, but uh, but the god who stands above all of creation, uh, the Lord of Hosts, disclosing Himself to us and um, doing it through a mixture of exposition and poetry and narrative both historical and uh, i don't want to say fictional but but more symbolic um allegorical stylized Uh, yeah so like parables of christ and um, apocalyptic literature you know narrative that you know are not maybe like you know literal events but uh but contain like real truth that's good something else i thought about is how uh, in the scriptures, we get a very unique portrait of humanity. Ooh, so, yeah. so God reveals himself to us, but in some ways he reveals us to us. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the truth of ourselves, the, our, our tendency towards evil, the disposition of our hearts right. being evil. Jeremiah tells us that our hearts are sick. So, um, yeah, I guess what's sometimes called a biblical anthropology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's good. And, uh, there are maybe some other philosophies that would kind of get close um, in in terms of recognizing that everything that man does is touched by evil, but but by and large, humanity wants to think of themselves as good and mostly good or you know essentially good, uh, and uh, and the Bible pushes back against that, challenges that view, mm. and and in doing so offers us relief in, in the, the good news of the gospel that right. you know, though we're confronted with the bad news of the reality of our situation, of our sinful situation, the consequences of our situation, mm-hmm. we're given Christ. We're given grace that is Christ who offers us forgiveness and access to Creator God. Right. Um, through his atoning death. Um, what would you say are some helpful strategies for Bible reading? Wow. Well, yeah, there there's gonna be a multitude again and um, other people and have kind of a different list, but I, I would say any strategy that helps you read all of the Bible eventually. Uh, so any any reading plan, um, anything that lets you get to every piece, because you know we want to remember that you know those books that are popular and um, kind of easy to read. You know we read through the Gospels, we read through Paul's letters, we read the Book of James, uh, we read sort of the dramas of the Old Testament. Uh, 
through the books of the law, the Torah, and through the histories. But the same God who stands behind those, the same mind who stands behind those, stands behind the Levitical law and um, stands behind the uh, books of the prophets where they were overseeing the decline of Israel and Judah. And those are maybe not, don't seem quite as accessible, but God included them for a reason. God included them for us to understand. So, yeah, a plan well, and, that... And, and I was going to say, like, I mean, another important piece of that is being familiar with the whole Bible is... Right. Is, like, you can't read... Like, for instance, in a couple of weeks, um, I'm going to be teaching on Matthew 12, and Jesus enters into controversy about the Sabbath. And there's a whole lot of knowledge about the Sabbath and about the law that's assumed in Matthew 12 mm-hmm. that unless you have developed some familiarity with those concept fr- concepts from... Deuteronomy and Leviticus, the 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 controversy is not going to make a whole lot of sense. Sure, yeah, um, absolutely. D. A. Carson, he would say, don't read the Bible Bible atomistically. Uh, don't read it you know, sort of like one piece isolated from all the other pieces. Um, but yeah, recognize that there is a larger narrative, and that every story uh, in some way fits into um, or complements that narrative. And uh, so, yeah, um, anything that uh, will help you get through the whole Bible and then help you understand what you're reading um, in the context of the whole Bible. Um, D.A. Carson's got a book on that, The God Who Was There. I think it's in our bookstore. It is. It's a uh, really helpful little book. It, yeah, super helpful. Very accessible. And um, the first book I read on it, um, on kind of redemptive history, was uh, Stranger on the Road to Emmaus. Uh, and that's, that's actually written, I think, on maybe at like a high schooler level. Uh, so, but it's it's still good, and, uh, and and sort of recognized that all of the Old Testament was all pointing towards Jesus and referencing the you know the story where he's with the two disciples and um, you know kind of and points out how the law and the prophets had all been pointing towards him. And and I'll be sure to put both of those books you just referenced in our show notes for those who are listening. Also, I'll link to a six pack of buy. Hashtag influencer. (laughs) And Brussels sprouts. I guess I should link to Brussels sprouts. Yeah, Brussels sprouts. uh, uh, These are all good things. Indeed. Indeed. I may be like one in a hundred who likes Brussels sprouts. No, man. Brussels sprouts are good. Oh, okay. I like Brussels sprouts. All right. I feel better. Yeah. Uh, Okra. Fried okra is another one. Yeah. It's good stuff. I like lots of... I guess... I don't really know the difference between Brussels sprouts and okra. They're kind of similar in my mind. Yeah, they're green. Yeah. Yep. But, anyway. you know, coming back to strategies <laughs> for the Bible, uh, you know, quick plug, uh, the the Robert Murray Machane uh, plan for reading where it takes you through the Old Testament once and the New Testament and Psalms twice in a year. Uh, but don't be intimidated. Uh, you know, it's, it's plan for reading every day. And if you get behind... Uh, uh, then you know, take a year and a half, take two years to go through the plan. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, uh, what about other ways to take in the Bible beyond our own personal scripture study? Are there any other ways that we can discipline ourselves for Bible intake? You know, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, a couple things come to mind. I think there there are a lot of songs that are. Uh, essentially just psalms or other passages of, of scripture uh, put to melody 
And uh, those are you know, not only a good way for taking in the Bible, but um, a good way for the Bible to kind of take root in our hearts and uh, us to remember chunks of it fairly easily. Uh, so that's a, a good one. Obviously, uh, sermons and lectures. Um, well, let me ask you, do you know about the slugs and bugs? <laughs> yeah, man. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, my favorite uh, album right now. So uh, we, with Lula at home, I mean, she... Yeah, she's a big fan of that. Or actually, I think we're bigger fans of it than she is. So, but. Well, it's, it's great. You know, your child, when you hear your child walking around the house singing, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, X, <laughs> or, or, you know, there is therefore no condemnation. <laughs> you know, I think it's great when I hear my wife Kayla singing those same songs. Uh, Absolutely. Lula, yeah, Lula is still stuck on Baby Shark. So, yeah. We'll get her there. Yeah, we'll get her there. Uh, so you mentioned also sermons and lectures. Sermons and lectures. So yeah, I, I think you know, and minor the way I, I would understand it is uh, sermons would be sort of the exhortation uh, that we receive from the Word and we receive Sunday mornings. And uh, you know, if you you know helpful to to listen to other sermons if you kind of maintain a right relationship to your own church and. Um, but yeah, sermons are exhortation. I mean, encouraging us to uh, to be changed by the word and to um, respond in obedience to the word and to um, you know to take heart. I mean, to um, to not be dragged down by you know the sometimes sort of brutal nature of you know of of human existence. Uh, and then lectures being a little bit more on the technical side. Um, and obviously, there are sermons that. I, contain both, but lectures being uh, the place where we learn uh, the language of Scripture and when we learn, you know, what the examples of Scripture meant. And, and you know, we referred to this uh, a couple minutes ago, you know, talking about um, the example of Matthew and, you know, Sabbath laws and, and sort of knowing what was going on there. And there's a time and place for gaining understanding um, of some of the technical bits um, so we can be better encouraged. That's good. What would you say are some good, um, how can one be a good sermon listener? What good would be sermon some, listener? some good practices for developing that skill? Um, yeah, well, I mean, there are a couple of sort of learning hacks that uh, I think would apply in sermon listening. Uh, note-taking can be really helpful. And this is kind of a habit I've fallen out of. Like, you know, I'd, for a while, try to take them all electronically. So I would always have them stored away. And just the difficulty of that uh, eventually became like too great a barrier, you know, for, for me keeping up the practice. But in a lot of ways, having the record isn't really the, you know, the most important thing. Just the note taking mm-hmm. um, engages our understanding, engages our memory where we're summarizing points that are made and um, just internalizing those just enough so that, you know, it, the, the meaning of the message, the thrust of the message stays with us a little bit longer than just sort of hearing and forgetting. And I think we've all had that experience where, um, you know, we've come home from church and, you know, our spouse stayed home sick and they're like, Hey, what was the sermon about? And you just kind of, your jaw drops. You're like, um, Bible something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's also attributable to bad preaching. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I, I wasn't going to go there, but, um, and, you know, when, and listening to sermons, well, yeah, but, uh, you know, and coming back to the topic, I think if you're trying to formulate questions and, you know, trying to interact with what you've heard and, 
you know, questions, you know, asked in the right way, not, you know, trying to find technical fault uh, necessarily, but, uh, um, but really just trying to expand your understanding and um, that can be really, really good. And, but most of all, I think posture, attitude, mm. um, how we come mm. to the sermon in our hearts is vitally important. I, I think we start with a spirit of humility and you know, recognizing that the preaching of the word is, you know, is something that God has established for his church. And um, I think about, again, what David says in the Psalms. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And, uh, you know, for me, that I want to be asking the Lord to deal with my heart first uh, before I think, man, like, Kayla really needs to hear this sermon. Or, and most of the time she's sitting right next to me. So, um, Kayla needs to hear this. Or, my friend. Or, um, you know, someone else, someone apart from me. And um, so kind of having that spirit and then, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's really good. Yeah. I've heard it said before that mature a mature Christian is easily edified. Ooh, yeah, that's good. So having a posture of like want, wanting to be edified, approaching the scriptures and approaching sermons with a desire right, to be edified. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can think of times in my 20s, and, and I've, I've been guilty of this too, where... I come to the sermon with a critical attitude and being around others coming to the sermon with a critical attitude who, um, if the sermon is just too simple, uh, it will be called, I don't know, moralistic or, mm. uh, you know, if the sermon is, you know, maybe teaches like some like doctrinal point that they see kind of differently, you know, be kind of disdainful and, um, just respond. But, but even where, you know, brothers have had differences on, you know, certain technical or certain doctrinal questions, uh, if they're really a brother in Christ, you know, you, I can be edified by what they're preaching. Um, That's good. Doesn't mean there aren't false, false teachers, but it's not often that we end up in the, the pews in their churches. And um, so we need to be ready to, to be edified. That's good. Yeah, let us, let us approach... Uh, let us approach the scriptures and approach preaching not as um, connoisseurs of fine dining, but beggars. Yeah. Hungry, ready. Yeah. Eager to eat. So with that, I hope that this uh, episode was encouraging to you. Um, I hope that as you listened, yeah, I hope as you listened, you you found it to be helpful. Um, we appreciate you listening as always. Uh, be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes if you haven't yet. And uh, remember, Jim is free on Fridays for lunch. So <laughs> be sure to. And other days that. too. Just check. I'll check my calendar. Perfect. Thanks.